Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Insider, brought to you, as ever, by Vanishing Inc. Today we're lucky enough to have on the line maths degree app genius, Mark Kirstein. Mark, how are you today? I'm quite well, thank you. You've got, you've got a very good podcast voice, have I told you that? Um, no, you haven't, but thank you. It's a very good radio voice, I think. Well, funnily enough, when I was 19, I did do one right. show on Radio 4. So maybe it all stems from oh, that. There you go. And you didn't get booked again? No, no. Okay. So let's move on from that Good. failure. And okay. I'll kick off with my first very difficult question. Um, okay. Will a Pebble Watch work with Wikitest? <laughs> uh, search the group, is what I would say. Um, no. <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. What's your what's your origin story? You have fifty three seconds. Oh, fifty three seconds. Um, I uh, which one was it? It was the Paul Daniels magic set, and that's it. Okay. That's okay. Quick. You got that's it. Like six seconds. That's the shortest origin story ever. Brilliant. You win. <laughs> you need to know the rest. No. You've got everything you need with that. No, don't need. No one cares anyway, man. They only care about your apps <laughs> that you've made a few of. They're quite good, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I try, thank you. Yeah, I think I think they're they're worthy of being on the app store. Why did you start with apps? Uh, uh, so well, I I didn't start. I didn't try to kind of like think. Okay, I'm going to release something. What should I release? It, it was uh, so I had a proper job after university. I worked for a bank, <sighs> and in yeah, uh, and in it, while I was in the bank, I was also. I suppose still uh, quite an amateur magician, as, I, as I'd probably still consider myself, uh, as given I don't do many kind of professional gigs or things like that. So I made um, little tech tricks. My, my job was kind of partly in the tech space as well, so I was uh, fairly technical with some stuff, and I kind of made little tech tricks. And it was only when I showed people that I realised that tech tricks aren't as big a thing as I kind of assumed they were. Uh, so I didn't. It was it was accidental. I didn't mean to start making apps or anything like that but it turned out that I had done so did the first one happen when, when did it start did the first one happen while you were still in banking or did you just leave, leave the banking stuff to do the close-up what was the how did that work no, well, well, well I left I left banking not because of magic but I left banking because I didn't enjoy banking mm. um and and the magic thing I mean I, I figured my friend uh, Dan Farrell I'm aware of his work uh, was doing gigs you're aware of his work um he was doing some gigs and said that he'll pass on some to me and kind of get me out of the bank if I wanted to kind of, you know, have a little kind of break without finding another job or figuring out what I want to do next, that I could kind of rely on having a couple of gigs here and there. So uh, I left banking because of that. Um, I think there might have been some overlap with the app stuff. At least I was certainly making little tricks, whether or not I was selling them. Um, I'm not sure. But but yeah, I, they, they were quite independent thoughts, I think. Right. And what was the first app? Yeah, funnily enough, the first thing I started making was was Wikitest, I think. Or the first thing that I could kind of consider as an app type thing was was Wikitest, although I hadn't released it until uh, uh, about a couple of years ago now. Um, the first thing I released was was WebFX or Magic WebFX, either way. Ah, oh, the photograph one. Name. The photograph, photography website-y thing, which, uh, which still exists today. So if somebody doesn't know what, what that is, what's the effect? Uh, it's, it's, it, now it's an effect which other people seem to have versions of as well, but, uh, it's, you, you have the spectator go to your website and you point out there's an image, uh, on the website of you performing perhaps, and you then ask someone to, uh, name any card 
And then when they look closer in the image, they realize that the four of diamonds or whatever card they've named is, is actually in the image somehow. So it's either you holding it subtly in the corner or or it's reflected in the mirror at the back or, or it's some real kind of placement in the image that that card exists within that uh, frame that they just didn't notice it before. Mm-hmm. And you said that there are other versions of that now. With It's quite interesting that with... Um... Car with like analog magic, it's hugely mm. frowned upon to, should we say, borrow things from other people. Mm. But with apps, it seems to happen quite a lot and quite a lot to you. How ser- yeah. seriously? How does that make you feel? Yeah. Uh, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long. It's a long topic. Uh, it's it's interesting because you know with with normal apps like you know for example WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger for example, which are now both owned by Facebook, but at one point, they weren't. And if someone makes a messaging app, that doesn't stop anyone else from going out and also making a messaging app. There's no real rules other than kind of patents and things like that that govern the kind of invention of of technical ideas and apps and releases and stuff, mm. which, which is still a big field. But, but concepts are not easily protectable in, in I think, a lot of places. Um, with magic stuff, there's some debate, especially app magic or phone magic um, there's some debate as to kind of what constitutes an idea so if someone comes up with an input method and someone else wants to use that input method but for a completely different trick so say someone's using the lock screen pin code mm-hmm. which i think angelo carbone was first to use in his magic sms app um if someone wants to use that in another trick people would ask angelo and i think that's kind of right even if the trick is completely different um and similarly if someone comes up with uh, I don't know, the same trick but wants to use a different input method, they'd probably ask. It's, it's a weird kind of, it's such a new field of magic. It's not like a, you know, we, we, in card magic, we have a rough gauge as to, you know, is this a new idea? Mm. And while we don't necessarily credit the double lift, we might credit some bigger contributions to the trick that we've invented. Uh-huh. Um, whereas with app magic, it's still, it's so novel and so new that it's, the, the rules to govern it still aren't really finalized i feel so so yeah it's it's how do i feel about it it's 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 tricky i i think app creators should probably be more open to conversation the thing is it's not like inventing a card trick where you might be sitting there and i'm not trying to trivialize inventing a card trick but making an app that is, is quite involved having the idea is only the first step you can't then just go ahead and write up the idea you then have to build the app and the infrastructure and it's a hell of a lot of work for if someone's then going to come to you and say Sorry, no, that's my input method. So I fully understand why magicians aren't very good at crediting stuff for app magic or at least asking permission because you don't want to know. You, you don't want someone to re- reply no. That would be quite disastrous if you've put in a lot of work and time and possibly money. Um, so so I, I empathise, yeah. But with like card magic, there's however many hundreds of years of, of history to go from. So it's taken as, as standard that, yeah, you know, if you want to use a double lift, that's cool. But if you want to, I don't know, use something from Harrapin's new book, then you should probably ask him. Yes, right. But if the thing you're using from his book was from someone else, or if it's just a small thing, or you think it's kind of, oh, this is probably okay, or whatever, it's it's tricky to gauge, but you, you probably have, you'd probably come up with a good sense as to should I ask him for this or not. With app magic, it's also new that people, it's, it's just tricky to say, should I? Should I ask about this? Should I not? Um, is, is is a kind of trick like this okay if I did it? You know, with card magic, there's the kind of analogy of if I did the same trick but with red backs instead of blue, mm-hmm. is that okay? 
Whereas with AppMagic, someone might say, oh, should I do Wikitest? But rather than using Wikipedia, I've got a great idea and I'll use Amazon. Right. Which, which gen- genuinely, I've had people come to me and say, yeah, I really like Wikitest. I've had a really good idea. Um, do you mind if I go ahead and make the same trick but using IMDB? Mm. Um, and or Amazon or something like that, uh, to which I, I, I mean, I, I'm normally quite okay with things, but uh, for that, which doesn't feel very different, I, I said no. no. You're saying no, but okay, I'm going to push you. So when when mm-hmm. you know that someone's nicked something that you made, how does it make you feel? Because yeah. you're you're like a mild mannered nice gentleman. So how how do you <laughs> right. feel when some someone does that to you? Um, yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? I suppose it's, it's annoying. You know, there's some people have uh, more of a reach and a voice than I do. I'm, I'm not very good at marketing or any of those things. Or, I mean, I might be good at it. I just, I just don't really do it. I just, I just kind of, you know, release my stuff. And on occasion, I'll send an email out to my existing customers, and that's probably as much as I do. Maybe a post on the Magic Cafe would be enough of a, a marketing thing that I'll do. Otherwise, I rely on word of mouth. Whereas some people have you know big videos and maybe deals with uh, magic suppliers and otherwise uh, to get their product in in stores and in people's hands and and the the customers might not even be aware that some of these things are you know borrowed or or used necessarily with permission or uh, so it hasn't made me feel it's 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 annoying but i think my efforts are best focused on trying to make my stuff as good as i can oh uh, and and it sounds very cliche no but no no, no I, I not, not to get no not cliche it. it sounds amazingly mature i don't know whether i'd have such self-control yeah i mean i mean it depends what day you ask me it hasn't happened recently so I'll probably feel a bit better about it. <laughs> one thing that's different i think with your apps and other people's is mm. how you constantly update them um mm. not only adding new features but making sure that cosmetically it's right for the new version of iOS or watchOS. And some app makers, who we won't talk about, have been known to take years to update something that you've got day and date on release. So how do you stay motivated and stay on top of all of that? I've just got a lot of spare time, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing better to do. Um, (laughs) No, it's... uh, what, What is it? I think... It's hard to kind of figure out what's, what, what the driving force is behind it. I think part of it is I, I want the apps to be as good as possible. I, you know, it's not just a magic part of me, but also it's just since the first iPhone came out and the first release of the App Store, I've always kind of wanted apps on the store. And I think it's just been such a kind of motivation of mine to have a product that's out there. And I think I'd feel a bit weird, if, especially if I paid something like, you know, the, the magic apps by their nature aren't cheap apps. Mm. So if someone's going to pay... 60 70 pounds or dollars equivalent for something which is quite pricey and not receive updates i think i, I mean yeah I, I understand that that's the thing they paid for and that should be it but at the same time i'm still getting more uh, sales of wiki test people buy wiki test uh, every once in a while and i just wouldn't want them to buy something I, i'd find it embarrassing to have something being sold on the app store that doesn't work with someone's new phone someone might go out and buy the latest, you know, iPhone XS Max or whatever, and uh, finally, you know, it's their first iPhone, for example, and they want to uh, uh, buy Wikitest or something like that, and then they buy it and they realise it doesn't quite work or look right or something like that. I'd, I don't know. I'd feel a bit. I'd feel a bit odd about sure. that. So, I just try to do my best to, to keep these things working and add new features when I think of them and, and make these things as good as I can. I think you do that beautifully. Now, for anybody listening to this on an Android device, why aren't you interested in developing on that platform? Uh, I I would love to. I would love to. I think I think there's a few reasons. One of them is that I'm 
a one man band who does, you know, comes up with the ideas for some of these things and then I make them and update them and I have to support them and help people when they've got issues. And, and doing that just for the iPhone family of devices is, is hard enough. Uh, you know, there's a few different screen sizes of iPhone out there and Apple are updating their stuff all the time. And so to do that for Android would at least double my workload, I think. So I'd well, love to. Due but... to the fractured nature of, of Android, yeah, it would probably yeah, be more than right. double, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, you know, uh, Apple released statistics year on year as to how many people are on the latest version of iOS. Mm-hmm. And it's always nice to be able to use the f- new frameworks and APIs that are given by Apple in the latest version of the iOS SDK because, you know, they might have announced some new features and stuff. And if I'm trying to support people on older devices, it gets a little harder and harder. So I always try and make sure that I'm, you know, targeting some of the latest versions. And most people on iPhones update to the latest version on, on Android. It's not the case though. People on Android have got a variety of different phones and older versions and it, it, it's painful. I don't know. Maybe I'm rambling here. Maybe you're all right. No, you're stuff, not. But... I think I see, I see people asking the question on forums all the time yeah. to everybody yeah. that just develops iOS. And it's just nice to have a, a, you know, a lot of the answers are maybe at some point in the future, but it's nice yeah. to know the actual pain that would be involved in doing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I th- so, so I made an app, um, digital force bag. I made it for, uh, my friends, Nick Einhorn and Craig Squires. It's a well-received, quite popular app. Um, I made it, made the iPhone version for them. They got another developer to make uh, the Android version. Um, and before they did so, I kind of, uh, told them my thoughts on Android. And, and one of the things is, is that it's easier to pirate apps on Android than it mm. is, uh, on the side so, so exactly. Yeah. And, and the jailbreak community on the iPhone is not as popular as it once was. So even you can technically pirate apps on, on iOS, but it's just less common. And people don't really do it too much. And so for an app, which like Wikitest, for example, which is 70 pounds, um, it would be cheaper for someone to go out and buy a Android device or secondhand Android device. Even it doesn't even have to be a modern Android device for say 50 pounds or so and sideload a free version of Wikitest. than it would be to send me even one pounds worth for, a, for an app, which I've created. So uh, from, from an economy point of view, it just doesn't make sense. I think as well, I think it would give me some trouble with, uh, uh, piracy and then having a lot of users to support and not knowing who's really paid for it and who hasn't. Mm. A minefield. How and is it just because you're? Not, I think the answer to this might be just because you're nice. But how do you remain so patient when faced with the same, should we say, uh, intelligence-challenged questions on the like your app <laughs> Facebook pages? <laughs> David Jennings asking all the hard questions. Um, <laughs> how do you remain so patient? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm trying to be. Uh, I, I empathise with these people. I always try and see these things as my problems. So I think if someone ah. can't figure out how to do something properly, it's probably because I haven't made it clear enough. And unlike magic books, which you can give to someone and then that's it, uh, you can't really go ahead and amend it. I think app developers probably have a bit of responsibility to get this stuff right. Um, it's trickier with a magic trick rather than something like an app that's a utility app that's quite a simple app because magic tricks, you know, have kind of two threads of of uh, of kind of conversation going through them, right? There's the, there's the effect and there's also the method. And so these right. apps kind of have to un- make the user understand both of those things separately and together. Whereas with uh, something like, you know, that converts a movie to whatever, to a, a gift to an MP4 or something like that, yeah, yeah. need as much kind of uh, instruction. So I, I try to make it as simple as possible. And I, I, you know, I think if enough people ask me the same question, I'll go ahead and make it obvious in the next version. Right. So that's like your failing. 
Yes, exactly. So, so a small thing that I found, I had some people uh, telling me that they can't tap on the username field in one of my apps. It sounds like a really stupid thing, but they can't seem to tap it. And I asked them to film it and show me. Uh, and it turned out that they were tapping the, this, the label that indicates where the username field is, not the actual username field itself, because there was no clear thing. This might all be nonsense for your, for your podcast. But, no, it's uh, interesting. <laughs> so, so I went ahead and kind of just really made it clear where the username field was and put a little underline over it and stuff like that. It's just, it's, it was looked like, you know, I think to me it would be, it's so obviously an, a stupid thing to do, but I'm so used to using the app that it's not, Right. Not, uh, I, I just I just try and be kind of I try and empathize with people and try to understand what their problems are. Yeah, but that sometimes is a thing, isn't it? That when you're building something um, digitally, it's like, or even physically, it's it's like it's really obvious to you how that thing works. But somebody yeah. else, so it's like a little UI tweak can make it easier for somebody to understand what they're meant to do. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's sometimes it's bigger changes like that. And I think the other thing that motivates me about it is that if I ever made an app that wasn't a magic app or something else i've kind of learned all these little techniques and tricks and things that i could hit the ground running right. if i wanted to make a, a really nice app for the mass market be it magic app or not well talking of um making other things is there anything that you are uh, contractually and legally allowed to tell us about that you're working on at the moment uh, i don't think there's anything that i can't tell you i think that's simply because i'm not really uh, doing much at the moment i, I, I mean i'm working on, my, my time varies between working on a project like a TV show or something for another magician to working on stuff just for myself. At the moment, because I'm not currently working on a big TV production or anything like that, I'm mostly working on my own apps and getting them updated and right. uh, starting to develop new ideas and things like that. So so at the moment, most of my time is, is being spent on my own stuff. How nice. So there's not, not, much to, not much to tell you. Okay. But you have worked on several... I think we can say very high profile TV shows. Um, uh, how did that start? And what's it like actually like hanging out in New York for several months with Blaine? Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've worked on a few things. How did it start? I think the first, Troy TV the first show one. I worked on. Yeah. It was, the, it was the second series of Troy's show here in the UK, uh, which was really good fun. That was with uh, Sharky and Long, uh, who uh, work a lot with Darren. Uh, they're his Darren's writers for, shows like the apocalypse and the push and recent sacrifice show uh, on netflix uh so i was with them on, on the troy thing i think uh, i started working on that actually after meeting uh sharking along at the session and showing them some of my little phone tricks right uh, quite a few years ago um they got me in for got me into that david blaine we met through some mutual friends a few years ago i started working for him in early 2015 and kind of went back and forwards to new york working for him for quite a while uh, it was great. I had a great, great experience and yeah, worked on quite a few tricks, mostly for his last TV special. Which led on to your starring role <laughs> in Darren's last show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, the, I, was, I was the punter. I was the one going through the whole experience. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, had a, I had a very brief uh, appearance in, in Darren Brown's last special. I, I had a, a minor role. I worked on the app that was uh, featured partly in the uh, in the last special so you mentioned earlier and it was a beautiful segue that i should have leapt on that you met sharky and long at the session the session's coming up soon it is yeah. so tell me how you are going to be able to personally guarantee successful tv consulting advice jobs to anyone that attends the convention in january that's what happened to you right so 
Oh, I see. So how am I going to kind of complete the cycle? Yeah. Um, I suppose. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, probably won't, really. But you've been going to the session for a while now. Um, but this is the first time you're doing a talk, is that right? First time doing a talk at the session, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it's a short, it's a short one. It's a 10-minute talk, um, which is irrelevant. Your question is probably better. Yeah. yeah. No, no, Come on, no. I'm going. I'm going. We'll, keep, we'll keep pushing. We'll keep pushing, yeah. Mark. Yeah. Um, could you, what are you going to talk about? Tech stuff and apps, yeah? Yeah. Cool. All yeah, right. talk about magic app stuff. Um, that's about it, really. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> yeah, Android people go home. Yeah. I'll stay in the bar. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, talk about, talk about magic apps and stuff. I, I think from, from a little bit of research, mag- app magic, uh, although to you and I and some people probably listening, it seems like a pretty normal thing to do. Uh, I think that some people really have uh, a hesitation when it comes to app magic. And I think the reason for that is that a lot of app magic isn't really very good. I think, especially some of the earlier stuff, and I'm not trying to be mean. No, or, no, no, it's like clunky. It's yeah, it's, it's it was, so I not think very it, well thought out. Yeah, and I agree with the reason people don't like it. And I think what happens is, is that people think, oh, it's clearly just the phone doing the trick, uh, which mm. is kind of how a lot of app tricks kind of play out. Um, you use the magician's own phone and it goes, it's almost like, here, look at this little gimmick or look at this little thing. So I've always had quite a big focus in making any app tricks of making it feel quite casual and quite like like the phone is only being used because it's the most convenient object to use for that sure, style it's of perfectly trick. logical. Yes. So so in the sense of, a, in the case of a book test, um, if I didn't have a book on me, which, you know, I suppose I don't carry books around uh, most of the time, I do in fact have my phone. And in fact, the spectator has their phone, which is probably the perfect thing to use if they type something in and you know find something on wikipedia and think of a word i think that's probably a bit more natural perhaps than me walking around with a book unless i was doing perhaps a big paid performance sure. uh, when it would make more sense so so i uh, would like to in my talk probably try to talk about why uh, app magic can be quite good i think and, and argue its case for existing and uh, also kind of give some examples where i think app magic can in fact enhance a version of a trick that might already exist in an analog form. Oh, intriguing, intriguing. Now, you've been going to the session uh, like as a punter, as well as helping out sometimes with quizzes and things like that, <laughs> yeah, for quite yeah. a while now. Um, yeah. But what's one of your favourite things about the convention? Meeting people is obviously a good one. I you know, met Sharkin Long there. I wouldn't have worked on Troy. probably wouldn't have done... Uh, much else there. I think the the quality of attendees is, is great. Like everyone's always very very friendly and willing to chat and hang out afterwards. And I think uh, Andy and Josh do a great job at curating the talks quite well. And there's always something interesting. What else? I think that's about it, really. Otherwise, it's a bit rubbish. <laughs> Can I use that as a pull quote in an advert on Facebook? <laughs> yeah. Other than that, it's a bit rubbish, Mark Kirsting. Yeah. Brilliant. So why do you think some, like, there's people that are listening to this that probably haven't been to a magic convention, so why do you think someone should come to the session if they've never been there before? It's a, it's a great place to kind of hang out. I think Blackpool's also an excellent convention, but sometimes things get a bit lost in the scale of it. It's sure. a bit large from my experience. Whereas the session, you know everyone's kind of going to be in the same hotel or nearabouts, and it feels a bit more intimate and people are together and uh, you know, Danny Ortiz will be there this year, and yeah, those Matt are other King. people who is always great. To Matt King, I've I've never seen. Um, I've been to Vegas a handful of times, and I've never seen Matt King the show. So I'm particularly excited to see uh, Matt on stage live. I've seen a lot of videos, but um, never seen him live. So I'm quite excited about that. 
You'll be in for a treat. You'll be in for yeah. a treat. Well, Mr. Kirstein, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate you, right. uh, mm -hmm. you you talking to everybody this afternoon. And I very much look forward to seeing you um, in Heathrow next year. Next year. Of I course, know, yeah. it sounds weird, doesn't it? Always. In a few weeks. That's better, isn't it? I look forward very much to seeing you at Heathrow in a few weeks. All right. Look forward to seeing you too.